breakfast puppies? This podcast contains adult language and content and is meant for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to The Glitter Boys. So, I know I've told you before, like, I've, I've spent lots of time at sea. Like, I've, I've owned multiple sailboats. I've repaired boats. I've, you know, I, like, I, I am an Aquarius and a water and air person, and I, I love the sea and the stars and the, the, the whole thing, right? Like, this is, this is very much my element. And when the fan base started clamoring for Rifts Under Seas, I had really high hopes for it. Like, I was, I was really excited to do it, because I've, A, never read this book. And I, I wanted it to be great. And it almost is, in, in, in my opinion. Like, it's, it's really close. It's got a lot of neat things. But I think it suffers a little bit from the Rifts England problem. Uh, some of that's naming convention. Some of that is just... It, it, it was hard for me. It didn't <laughs> strike quite true. All the ingredients were true. But execution left me a little cold. There are parts of it I really like and parts of it. I just went meh. Rifts Underseas is, as you say, uh, one that we've had a lot of people messaging and commenting for us to finally get to. And I've said it in some of the comments um, and uh, sent some responses to people, but just to make sure everybody knows what we're doing, we're doing our best to at least follow different series and, more or less in publication order. We're going to probably get the order wrong when it comes to things like the dimension books and whatnot, because we're not scholars of their release line. (laughs) I can't quite remember when, which ones came out, but so like we will do all the world books in order. We will do all the dimension books in order, the source books in order, et cetera, et cetera. That said, we won't do all of the books in exact publication order because ain't nobody got time for that. Yeah. So anyway, Rifts Under Seas, it's the next one in the World Book series. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, okay, thinking back to when I got this book as a teenager, I remember it was one of the first Rifts books that I acquired that after reading, I never took it off the shelf again. Yeah, there there are some parts of it I really, really liked. Like, I like the... Uh... Ticonderoga, the, the, the aircraft carrier, what was it? The Ticonderoga, yeah. Yeah, I, I liked that. That that gave me... Uh, Do you ever see that, that show, The Last Ship? I think I saw the first episode of it, and then I forgot about it. But It was, it was actually okay, yeah. I like that. I actually, while I hate the name of Tritonia, I, I hate that name. <laughs> that, is, that is awful. <laughs> but yeah. I, I, like, I like what it is. I like that it's a, you know, a, a research station that, you know, I, I like the concept of it, of this floating nation that things are docked to, they do some trading, they, they like, I, I like that. I hate the name. We're kind of skipping around here. So following up with what yeah. you're saying, let's, I, I like this. Let's not try and really stick with the beginning to end flow. So Tritonium, uh, well, a really quick overview of Rifts Under Seas, though, is what you get here. Like any world book, you get uh, new settings to explore. The settings in this book aren't as fully fleshed out, I think, as some of the previous stuff. 
And mm-hmm. accompanying those settings, you get robots and weapons <laughs> and, and new Which races is, yeah. and new monsters, and they're all underwater. Okay, Tritonia. Tritonia, I thought the concept could have been expanded upon further. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, years ago, I read this cyberpunk book, one of my favorite, one of my top 10 favorite books of all time, Snow Crash. And in Snow Crash, one of the settings of it is this vast flotilla of just hoboats that have been attached to each other and are just sort of out there. And then I read a China Mieville book called The Scar. And in The Scar, it's the same thing. All of these ships have been just sort of latched together for this huge floating city. With Tritonia, I really wish that they had gone into a little bit more like oh yeah and in the last 200 years hundreds if not thousands of other boats have been lashed on making it a a much more interesting spread out kind of island nation that would have been cool i didn't like the main uh the the main enemy the 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 uh, the deep what was it The, the 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 wannabe Cthulhu, the 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 Kraken, yeah, the, the Lord of the Deep. It was the Lord of the Deep. It was okay. Once again, it has a cult, and you know how, how many evil cults are there, are there going to be created for each one? I like it. It feels almost formulaic at this point. Oh, oh, Archie. Okay, cult. Oh, oh, okay, Bad Millennium Tree. Well, there's a cult. Oh, you know the things in 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 Europe. Oh, okay. Well, there's a cult. You know, like there's always a cult. Why is why is yeah. it always a cult? I thought that it was poorly explained and poorly implemented. The Lord of the Deep concept, you know, every single book so far, we've gotten these alien intelligences. It would have Mm -hmm. been neat to throw in something different, like change it up. We don't need another alien intelligence, especially one that honestly, we don't really know anything about it. We don't know its intentions. We don't know what it's doing. We just know it's fucking huge and it's getting bigger. And I'm like... How the hell am I actually going to use something like that in a game? Like Palladium. The Palladium fantasy setting has the old ones. And the old mm-hmm. ones, in a way, are similar. However, again, they have cults. and but, but, but the old ones' threats are the cults. Not because, because they're slumbering. They are basically this MacGuffin of future doom. Whereas yeah. the Lord of the Deep is literally just yank you. Oh, out of your sleep anywhere on the freaking planet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, are you near the Mississippi? Oh, okay. Middle of America. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. it's just, it, it's, it's a bit much. I think, however, when you take like, as, and as I'm reading all the way through all the, these riffs books, I'm thinking that the way to not, not win riffs, but to make the world safe again is to trick all of these entities into fighting each other. <laughs> like, if you can get Archie to burn down the big millennium tree who is busy attacking this, uh, you know, the deep who's attacking the cult of, you know, and just get them all after each other and maybe uh, then turn them on the vampire kingdoms. Like there's, there's cause every book has its ultimate evil. And I don't like that. I think, I think it's a bit much like what I wanted to see here was what I wanted to see was like, I, I liked how they did the the levels of the ocean. I wanted to see the races mm-hmm. that lived at that level, not just the, the biologic, you know, sharks can go two miles. Cool. That's neat. But I wanted to see, you know, this is, 
This is a species from beyond the galaxy that grew up around a, a rogue star, and they are comfortable in darkness, and they love the abyssal plane, and this is what they look like. And like I, I really thought that they missed a chance to make the ocean alive at every level of it. Yeah, that wasn't something that I was thinking as I was reading, but now that you say it, I fully agree. It opens up, the book starts with all of these facts about the ocean that is actually very educational, mm-hmm. very interesting facts here. Lots of stuff about water pressure, about light, about ecology, about history, about, you know, heat and cold and mm-hmm. origins of life at the vents in the bottom of the ocean kind of thing. But very quickly from there, it's just like, here's some aliens, here's some robots. Here's some more yeah. aliens and here's some more robots. And you're like, oh, really? Come on. And, and here's your baddie. We're not going to go too deep into this baddie. It could be anything, but it's a baddie and it can get you anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> no. It can get you anywhere. It can get you while you sleep. It's got tentacles that can reach all the way across the fucking world. Yeah. Okay. Really? Oh, I, yeah, I wasn't really impressed with the Lord of the Deep. I, I tried. I really did. It's like, how, how can I find this as cool as everyone else seems to? And I just couldn't. It's it's too powerful. It can do anything. There's literally nothing on this planet that could stand against it. Yep. I think that a lot of my long running, not, I wouldn't say disdain, but lack of interest in this book is a lack of interest in adventuring underwater. On the water, I love nautical campaigns that mm-hmm. maybe from time to time dip underwater, but I don't know why. My imagination doesn't plummet that much further down. Mine does, but to a degree of like, well, okay, this is an impervious suit that can survive like over pressure and then under pressure of space. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, oh, I can't get there. Well, I'm just going to walk there <laughs> through the ocean, you know, in, in my giant robot suit. Like I, 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 I tend to think in three dimensions like that. Not only like, how do we get there, but how do we get up and down and especially with the air and space in rifts being very difficult to navigate. Mm -hmm. Something that I think could work in a game for me to run and it would require characters who are all more or less mortal is Mm -hmm. the classic underwater research base setup where everybody's down there for some reason and things start to go wrong and turn it into like a survival horror adventure that yeah. could work with a lot of the material here. It couldn't work, however, with a lot of the MDC material here. Mm. This book is following on the footsteps of Rifts South America, written by C.J. Correa. Mm-hmm. And this one is largely also written by C.J. And you can clearly see the influence of his understanding of more power in everything. Right down to what a lot of Rifts fans constantly come back to as their favorite race, the Sea Titans. Really? I kind of hate the Sea Titans. They didn't grab me at all. They are, well, the reason people love them is because they look like people, but they're overpowered. So they're overpowered people that can do anything that people can do. It's like, why would I play a human when I could play a Sea Titan? I have started so many Rifts games, and every time I do, 
it's like Godwin's law, but it's but it, but it's the Sea Titan law. Like with every new character creation or with every new character concept that is submitted to me, it is an increasingly non-zero chance of someone wanting to play a Sea Titan juicer or something like that. I'm like, God damn it, I hate you so much. <laughs> now that's my main bitching. I thought the dolphin stuff was almost was almost really good. Like I th- I thought it bordered on really good. I have always been fascinated with dolphins. I find their intelligence to be like, we literally live with another sentient species and no one ever talks about it. Mm -hmm. So I, I found like there, do you ever read uplift by David Brin? The uplift force It's on my list, but I haven't read it. It's it's good stuff. I I highly recommend it. But the basic premise is uh, humans bringing sentient species up and humans being brought up by another race as, as a sentient spacefaring species. Someone probably CJ read that. I can I can tell <laughs> from from this. There was something else I really liked in this was the the shimmering water MacGuffin, where you get a table and you roll, and all of it will fuck your players, <laughs> but none of it is truly lethal. Like yeah. it, it'll mess up their heads, uh-huh. it'll mess up their plans, but it won't. It's it's not a character ender, and I I really like shimmering water. I like. I like the thought that went behind it where it's just like the, the table is just brilliant. The tables at the beginning and the early parts of the book, I think were, were really good because again, as you say, mm-hmm. they are all just ways to totally fuck with the party, but they're rarely super lethal. I think my favorite one that stood out in my memory was the metal shaving storm. And they'll like, go, oh, yeah, yeah. Won't really hurt you. But if you breathe it, you could get asthma. <laughs> Let me tell you how asthma is, players. (laughs) Have you cleared out your air intakes? One thing that I did like, though, were the concept of the dead zones. Oh, the dead pools, yes. In random rift tables in previous books and later books, they will talk about, you know, where can possibly thing, where can things possibly take you? And one of those destinations is invariably the bottom of the ocean. Well, you know, a lot, a lot of people don't think about what that means. <laughs> and if if you just walk through a rift, Mr. Leyline Rifter, you just doop, 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 walk through mm-hmm. one and you are teleported to the bottom of the ocean, you are dead immediately. Yes. <laughs> Crushed <personally>. to death <laughs> by the entire weight of the uni- of the world's water. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Which, if you've ever carried buckets of water, is really heavy. Mm-hmm. And I found that part really interesting. The the whole concept of the geez, miles and miles and miles of death <laughs> down there. Yeah. I find it interesting that they did make specific note, and this is probably because someone in a in a playtest group did a world under that waters do not travel through rifts, neither to nor from. Oh, I missed that part. I like that clarification. Yeah, and I'm going to guess that the same works for atmosphere in the more terrestrial, uh, you know, land-based rifts. Because if it did, well, the oceans would be gone swiftly Mm -hmm. and be replaced with methane or chlorine or lava or, you know, whatever's out there. Void. You know, I like that, but I also don't. And what I don't like about it is... I don't like things that put formula behind magic when magic is supposed yeah. to be chaos. So in, in my take on rifts, as, as your group saw in a previous adventure, mm. water can travel through the rifts, but it depends on the rift. Not every rift is equal. Why should it be? I think, 
One of the things I really like that I wish they had explained more is something they, they kind of touched on in the Dead Man's Pools and a couple other places when they were talking about rifts was that around the rifts will be these, these garbage piles of, of things that have gotten caught. Ships, peoples, monsters, mm-hmm. DBs, uh, aliens, dimensional entities, and all, all of their stuff. It all floats down there. And that it's, it's picked over, but it's hard to get to. So imagine that at the bottom of every sea, there's not just shipwrecks, but like these, these graveyards of spaceships and power armor filled mm-hmm. with drowned bug people and cat people who they really died bad because cats fucking hate water. <laughs> and just like, I mean. So many dead cats at the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> that, that is where I would have tied all of this book together was not the, um, the 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 Lord of the Deep Kraken MacGuffin God Monster, but the societies that have evolved to take advantage of these like just vast resources that are just going there and like the different tricks to get to it. Yeah, they touch on it very lightly. They touch a little bit on the mm-hmm. scavengers and the pirates that are down there, and then yeah. sort of move on to to stuff. Dragons. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's some factions and you know, what I do like in palladium fashion is they also mention what all the factions think of each other, including mm-hmm. previously mentioned factions from former books. So I, I like that. That's something I've always loved about a good palladium setting book, but these factions, the only ones I liked actually were the Horun, the Horun pirates, just the concepts mm-hmm. that are behind that species and no, sorry, the Horun I really liked, and that bone monster. I forget what it was called, the Sea Wraith or whatever it was. The uh the, the Lorica. God, that thing was fucking cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's it's mean. It reminds me of a lot of some of my favorite sci-fi monsters sort of melded in together. And it's mm-hmm. it's bone-like. I can see myself putting that in a game with people who have never heard of it or even people who do know what it is, but it's all in the matter mm-hmm. of the, how the way that you, the GM describe it. And it could be truly horrific. Like I'm thinking of the creatures in pitch black coming out of the night, yeah. and taking you away. Yeah. Some of the stuff that was supposed to hit me, like I just nothing like the, the stidger or whatever that is. The, the, the angler fish humanoid killer army thing. Yeah, right. I, I I would I would never use that. What book was it where I remember we had talked about art and it was Dead Rain In Dead Rain. Mm-hmm. There were two different styles of art. There was that weird punky sort of yeah. red, fink looking art, but it was balanced out by that um, scary stories to tell in the dark kind of yeah. just little little shapes in the darkness kind of art. This book could have benefited from that. Yeah, I think it really could have benefited from just little hints of things in the darkness of the ocean. Have you ever seen the picture of the Pacific Ocean, like planetary picture, where the Pacific Ocean is rotated and like the entire, there's nothing there. There's a little bit of island chains, mm-hmm. but like there's no continents. It's an entire half of the world. Yep. Yeah. I, I, that's what I like about the ocean. That's what I like about the dark. And that's what I would like about the kind of art you just mentioned is that there, there is no way 
to know everything that that happens down there and just the the sheer amount the sheer volume of it yeah like they they should have given more hints and less tried to give you a definitive monster with definitive things they should have given you players and like Palladium's really good at that and you know to an extent they did but it wasn't broad strokes enough i feel like they they tried to give you eel people and nobody nobody cares about the eel people <laughs> unless you're the creator of the eel people and you're listening to this podcast and i'm really sorry it just didn't hit me this book is an example i think of what happens when a really really good writer is hamstrung by someone else now i'm not putting Ooh, down okay. anybody here because uh, everybody who is involved with this at least the big names i love many of the things that they've put out. However, CJ specifically, I think from, from the lens of this era, I believe that CJ worked at the time a lot better on his own mm -hmm. because we've got Rift South America, which is a goddamn amazing book. And we've got Nightbane, yes. which is a goddamn amazing book, mm -hmm. both with CJ both with covers by Brahm and both largely illustrated on the inside by work from RK Post. Or or wait, no, South America didn't have RK Post. Or did he? You know, I don't remember. RK Post heavily illustrated Rifts Underseas. And I think there's mm -hmm. a nice contrast here when you look at Nightbane, which is CJ and RK, and you look at Underseas, yeah. which is CJ and RK, rewritten by Kevin. And you can compare yeah. the quality of the two. I think that either Kevin should have written this book all on his own or CJ should have written this book all on his own. But the merging of the two styles, I don't think worked in the end. I agree. Um, there, there's, it's, there was too much going on. There are a lot of factions and a lot of new factions and a lot of these factions were not fleshed out to a point where they were interesting. Like, you, you did get the typical, this is who works with who, this is how they feel about each other. But none of them, with the, the exception of the two I've already mentioned of, uh, you know, Tritonia and, uh, you know, the last aircraft carrier, um, <laughs> uh, seem to, yeah, Ticonderoga, they, they didn't seem to, none of them grabbed me. Like, I, I, I am indifferent to the struggles of the, of the EO people. I am completely indifferent to this Star Trek four version of what was it whale singers or whatever the yeah i just didn't didn't care <laughs> it was just just yeah you know i liked the idea of the the various undersea animals like the dolphins and the orcas and the whales themselves being yeah. playable characters that was kind of cool they didn't do enough with it though yeah and i could see like a spin-off small campaign done that way yeah and I really like Dolphin and Orca Power Armor. Like, that, that's badass. Why not? Well, why wouldn't you? Like, if, <laughs> that, if, if given yeah. the chance, why wouldn't you? As, as a teen reading this book, the Dolphin Armor was one of the few things that ever stood out in my mind. And I would constantly go back and show people, like, Dolphin Armor, look at this shit. And then put the book back away and yeah. never use it. Like, I could, because we never went underseas. We never had dolphins in the group. The, yeah. the dolphin armor for the land. Now that was cool. Dolphins with legs. I, I was thinking about that. Do you remember uh, that, that Futurama where the professor goes to the science experiment and there's the, the symposium and there's the, the goldfish with the power armor? 
that can walk on land. Yeah. 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 I think that's pretty neat. There was a short story by uh, cyberpunk author William Gibson, which was later made into an okay but largely unrelated movie with Keanu Reeves called Johnny Mnemonic. Oh, yes. <laughs> and in it, there was a dolphin that was a war dolphin that was trained to deliver bombs mm-hmm. in the war, but it was cybernetically enhanced. And unfortunately, because of its cybernetics and the way they trained it during the war, it was also heavily addicted to, I think, morphine or some drugs. But it was like yeah. a super hacker. It was a cyber dolphin in a tank. <laughs> and whenever I would see the dolphins and the dolphin stuff in this game, I'd always be like, I got to play Jones. <laughs> yeah. You know, speaking of like internally inconsistent, like, you know, magic underwater and all that kind of things. Can we talk about what happens when you fire lasers underwater? Any kind. Just saying blue green laser doesn't help the issue. Hmm. I like the moment like refraction like it's just gone like a laser goes that's true yeah i didn't think about that you know what happens to mass drivers when you fire them rail cannons underwater don't they just sort of (laughs) veer off into random directions Oh no they explode oh okay they they just explode (laughs) because uh when you put something at a, a fraction of c velocity and then it hits what is effectively a solid object at the end of the barrel the shockwave goes in all directions, including back at the firer. So, yeah, I mean, some of these these weapons were given very little thought. I wanted to see more spikes, more blades. More spears. Uh, more torpedoes. Yeah. 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 I'm sorry, folks. I, I don't like this book. I like parts of it. And I really like the art. I don't know who does. I, I think it's a W. It's like three sideways uh rectangles on a lot of the uh the power armor and and arts i like a lot of the art like the the mantis shrimp power armor that's badass looking (laughs) like is it usable of course not but it looks badass yeah i the bottom feeder i i don't know (laughs) i don't know who who's uh whose symbol that is maybe it's vince martin looks like a vm right uh it's either that or someone beginning with a w yeah I, I don't know. I feel like a bad Palladium fan in that I know I've seen that guy's art in everything and I have still yet mm. to date learned the name behind that that uh, signature. Yeah, I've, I've been rude about it, but there's, like I said, there's a lot of things I do like. Like, I, I like the Dolphin Power Armor. Mm-hmm. It's very niche. Like, I, you're not going to use it except for maybe, like, an encounter, but it would be a memorable encounter and it would give a sense of the world beneath that your adventuring party, your adventuring party is probably just traveling over and has a random encounter, a touch onto this vast world with hints of what's going on below them while they continue on their merry little way. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the kind of thing that builds like this really rich world where you get these, these teasers, these, this is what's happening and you have no idea and it's big and it's bad and it's bold and it doesn't affect you poor little land things. Like it's it's atmospheric. One reason this book fails for me is the scale of it. The ocean mm-hmm. is enormous. All of the world's connected oceans, the, the, the seven seas, they are enormous. The yeah. scale is just to many minds. It's it is actually unfathomable if you try to try to concept it. And previously, we've had books that focused on general areas Mm -hmm. and the factions of those general areas would have opinions of each other. 
That makes sense. They're really close, really up against each other. But the fact that these undersea factions from all across the world interact with each other doesn't quite make much sense to me because the world is huge and water, you know, you can travel as fast as you can, but it's still travel and it's still going to take you some time. Why does this singular vessel know everybody underwater? Why does this one floating city know everybody underwater? Why do they all have opinions of each other? It's these. I wanted more isolated factions. I wanted more, more smaller factions. Instead, Mm -hmm. we've just got like five power players globally that control the ocean. I mean, that... Uh, with another alien intelligence as the baddie. I don't yeah. really think I'm just, articulating this well. It, but it, I don't think that one book should have been enough for this. But I don't think they could have sold uh, one for each C either. And I think there would have been like, they would have run out of Leviathans because you have to put a big baddie in each book. I, it's just, it, it's it's hard. Like, I just... At a certain level, you can just say magic, you know, yeah. at a certain level, you can just say this is this is how things are because but th- there's a part of me that th- that is just can't find that acceptable. Uh, like I need an internal logic. I don't like underwater lasers. I don't like uh, that. Air doesn't pass through through rifts and that water doesn't pass through rifts like maybe maybe put an amount on it. You know, or this is this is the poisoned area around the rift because strange waters mix and diffuse into our own. Like, like there's there's so much that they could have done, but they just kind of hand waved it. And I I feel that some of this is because of their production schedule. Like, Palladium pushes books, and they still do. Like, they they they're always a little late, but their their release schedule for the size of their company has always been impressive. But I think this book especially could have benefited from a couple more months just on a writing table. Something else that bothers me about this book is that it's not complete. There is an entire faction that is mentioned over and over and over again as Mm -hmm. one of the most important factions of the undersea world. And that is the faction of Lemuria. And they keep saying every time it's mentioned. They get their own book. Book coming soon. Book coming soon. Mm Mm-hmm. This book is Rift's World Book 7, Underseas. Lemuria doesn't come out until Rift's World Book 32. A couple decades later. Yeah. It's, it's incomplete, you know? It's, sorry. Ah. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't hate the book. There's some good stuff here. I... I thought it actually opened kind of cool. I like the slow build of here's the natural world and here's more and more alien Mm -hmm. stuff. And then it's just, all right, robots and lasers. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. By the time they got to the noddle, I just didn't care. Yep. Um, And I I don't like, I don't like derivative names like that. I don't, I don't like Tritonia. I don't like Nottle for Nautilus. I just, I I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, why lazy. can't we just have like fun names like the floopers? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was something I really liked in here though. Um, and that was, um, I like the crab tank and, um, I like the, the, uh, the submarine Veritech. Okay. Yeah. Like the submarine that transforms into a giant robot. That's, that's cool. That's very transformers. In fact, no, actually that's a GoBot, If I remember correctly. I think I had him. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, the the Haroon were were interesting. I liked some of their ships. It was uh, original designs. Yeah, a lot, lot of stuff that I liked with with that. But yeah, the just, just ships on were cool on the too. whole, it it left me cold. Kevin Long's new Splugorth ships in it were really cool too. Mm-hmm. But Agreed. Yeah. Like there's there's some great art in it, and the uh, the Katani yeah. uh, underwater stuff is you know as brilliant as the Katani stuff always is. I just I wanted to like it I really did I did and too. there are parts of it that I truly did I went into the preparation for this episode hoping that I could look at it from the lens of time and maybe give it a better chance than I did as a teenager yeah but it still didn't grab me you know it, it doesn't satisfy yeah. so the normal question that you usually ask at the end of these episodes is, uh, do you need this book? Yeah. I, you know, honestly, I, I hate to say this and I feel traitors for saying this, but no, I, I don't think you do. Yeah. I don't think you do. And if you're just buying it for the sea Titans, I kind of hate you. Yeah. That, that was <laughs> why, why make that a character, a playable character class? There's, yeah. there's, there's, there's only 20 of them, but I mean, that's easily enough done. Just, just by you know the gm saying no yeah pretty much just like you know we're not gonna have dragons in this one i did like the navy uh all the the ngr navy stuff Mm -hmm. and i like that because you have the setup with the uh coalition navy coming soon (laughs) and you know the problems that they're going to be having there but i just like i just like naval fights and i also like the uh did you see the bottom of page 207 Ooh, maybe. Let me open this back up. All the way from Mechanoids. Oh, oh, please. What what do we got here? It's it's the Mechanoids wannabe Robotech battle pod thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know? Oh, yay! Reused art. <laughs> one of one of the things I do like about this is there is an undercurrent of acknowledgement that it is one of the best ways to project power, even in a um. Even in a fantasy setting of of magic and high technology and aliens, the best way to project power afar is by sea and air, and the importance of having a strong navy. Like it, it's 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 really good, you guys. You need a strong navy to project your power on other continents. You just you just need it. <laughs> and I, I I really like the like near the end of the ship where they start getting into the. Uh, the, the submarines and the battleships and the, the carriers and the skimmers and all the little patrol boats and stuff like that that are part of the, the NGR fleet. I like that, and I could, have, I could have seen a lot more of that because you could have set up for naval battles. You could have done a lot of cool things here that would give you a, a far more tactical master and commander feel to it, which incidentally could have been played out on a battle mat with lots of fun, too, for the combat parts. I think you will really enjoy when we get to the next Palladium fantasy book, which is all about the high seas. Yeah. I'm confused by something because I think that this has Robotech still in it, but some of the previous books we've done didn't. So is that what you were talking about earlier about the timeline? Uh, No, no, no. Specifically, this book makes references to things in phase world. Like uh, mm-hmm. it, it, the prophecy of how to defeat the 
the asshole at the, in the ocean right. is it, it involves things with the cosmic <laughs> forge, the which is mentioned in the Phase World books. Mm. Yeah, if you are of a of a of a watery persuasion as I am, there is value in this book. You, if you want to do a Seaborn Rifts specific campaign, you should buy this. If you are doing your typical coalition with a, you know a side trip to wherever. Yeah, this isn't something you need. But I don't want to dog it too hard. There are valuable pieces. It just felt it felt formulaic and a little confused to me. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. It just didn't some of it seemed like rifts by the numbers. And mm-hmm. it didn't seem like there was a lot of inspiration. Either yeah. that, or maybe there was a lot of inspiration, but that inspiration was being hamstrung by another point of view, somebody else's ideas. Yeah, that's that's something we need to talk about real fast. When you write by committee, you will always get the, this, this lukewarm result. Mm-hmm. You, you will not fail, but you will not get breakthrough genius either. Because by its very nature, a committee is limiting. And when you have a person of vision at the helm, just back them. Just give them what they want and let them produce for you. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. Agreed. I do want to say one thing, one last thing before we, we back off. Nemo 2, I liked that. I hated the name. I hated a lot of names in this. But I liked the thought, regardless of his underlings being, uh, you know, immortal player characters. I liked the thought of an eternal guardian of the seas. I I, I like, I, you know, if you've listened to these, that I'm a fan of Last Guardians at the Gates, like Desperate Last Dance and, and whatnot, like... This is who I am. It's not mixed. It's not, you know, it's, it's very clear cut who I am. And like this, this person who is devoted to this thing, who is also immortal, hits something in me that I really, that I really like. I think the name is just trash, but <laughs> <laughs> I like the concept of spouse. And if I brought it into the game, I would change the name, but keep the character just as is. Yeah. Anyway, that's all I have to say. Sorry, I keep going. Yeah, and another thing, and another thing, because there's a lot in the book, and there are a lot of other things. Yeah, I I don't have anything else to say. The book just doesn't really leave much of a lasting impression on me. Am I going to take it back off my shelf? Probably not. Yeah, I am. I I like the battleships, and I like a lot of their designs. And, man, I, I don't know. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I'm confused, <laughs> and I'm a little hurt. That that it didn't it didn't live up to what I was hoping it would be. Fair enough. Well, let's close this out. I have a comment to follow up on from uh, one of our good listeners who has a point, and that point is that we never introduce ourselves. <laughs> oh, so uh, I'm saving this, of course, to the end of the episode. <laughs> right, where where people tend to introduce themselves. <laughs> yeah. So hi, I'm NPC. <laughs> and I'm Matthew. And uh, God, we used to do that on the old podcast, though, didn't we? Yeah, we did. And like, it got so annoying. It did. It got so annoying yeah. and so formulaic and that we just like, I enjoy the cold opens a lot more. I, I do too. It, it felt like a morning radio show. Yep. It's NPC and Matthew in the morning <laughs> <laughs> with drive time with Chet. <laughs> Skycopter five. <laughs> yeah, we we could we could make a point of doing it occasionally but mm. i don't really know if we're going to change our format he's the one with the deep voice i'm the guy who's taller than him and squeaks 
that that's that's who we are. I'm the squeaky one. He's the one with the, the deep funnier voice. one. <laughs> We're both bearded and bald because yeah. we live in Portland, and that's what people do here. Mm-hmm. So good thing you can't see us. <laughs> that would make it even harder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. And on that uh, self-aggrandizing yeah. note, <laughs> thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you next time. Starships, magic, mystic martial arts, romance. All of these can be found in A Cloak of Blades by Isaac Sher. You might have heard my name before. I've done a lot of voiceover work for Breakfast Puppies. And I've recently released my first novel. It's available on Amazon as an ebook and paperback. And you can get it for free if you have a Kindle Unlimited subscription. I do hope you'll support my work as you're supporting Breakfast Puppies. And it's been a pleasure talking with you today. Have a good one. You've been listening to The Glitter Boys, a Palladium Books fan podcast. Glitter Boys, Rifts, the Megaverse, and all other such topics are the property of Kevin Sambita and Palladium Books. Please buy all their stuff and help keep them in print and making more games. You can order directly at palladiumbooks.com, and their entire catalog is available digitally at DriveThruRPG as well. Our opening music is 8-Bit Bass and Lead by Furby Guy from freesound.org. This closing music is Caravana by Philip Gross, available at freemusicarchive.org. All sound effects used are self-made or acquired via Creative Commons Zero License. If you like what you have heard, find us on Twitter and Facebook as The Glitter Boys. That's B-O-I-S. And check us out online at breakfastpuppies.com slash glitterboys. And also join us on the Breakfast Puppies Network Discord at breakfastpuppies.com slash discord. And if you want to help us out, please spread the word and help us build a community. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you next time.